We're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. If you want to uh, turn to that passage in your Bibles or on your phone. And uh, just whilst you're finding that spot, um, isn't it a great day so far? Uh, what a celebration of all that Jesus has done for us. And uh, for me, it just gets better and better. Um, I've just been handed a little welcome card, which, by the way, if you are new here today, do fill one in and pass it to someone uh, wearing a lanyard, because we'd love to connect with you. Uh, this was passed to me by my four-year-old daughter, Phoebe. She wrote her name in the email section. And uh, she ticked the box saying, I became a follower of Jesus today. So, um, yes, thank you, Lord, for that. And she very much is alive in Christ. And that's what we're going to discover together now, what it means to be alive in Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. Expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we're currently in a series, as Alice said, uh, five lies that are ruining your life. And together as a church, we're working through this, uh, th- this scripture using these scripture journals. Uh, I'd really encourage you to grab one. There's some at the back. Use this uh, as we explore scripture together. And by chance, I have two free. So anyone not have one? Hey, look at that. There we go. Look at that. Five quid at the end, right? <laughs> if anyone else... Oh, look, I've even got a pen for you. Have you got a pen? You're prepared, Maddie? Next time. There we are. So, you might want to work, uh, make some notes as we go along, uh, because this passage is just full of truth and life. So far, we've looked at the lie that some of us believe that we aren't wanted. But God says we are chosen. And last week, James looked at the lie that we are hopeless. But in God, we are empowered. 
God says we can know him intimately, live in his hope and in his power. And this week we're going to be looking at this lie that you cannot be forgiven. I don't know about you, but I've, I've shared in and heard many stories of people who sadly feel that God, because of their past actions, does not want anything to do with them. They feel like because of their mistakes, God will hold it against them. That God will write them off for eternity because of, because of what they've done. And for many people in this world, maybe, but for someone sat here today, just one moment of fault, a mistake in our lives, feels like it will define us and cripple us forever. I wonder, what is the one moment in your life that defines you? For me, it was when I was 16 years old and I was asking all the life's big questions of who on earth am I? And my school sent me off to the most boring of work experiences, the local archives. I thought, why am I so different to my family who weren't Christians, but I was? What's happened to me? And as I was at the local archives, I went through all these dusty documents and I thought, I'm going to find out who I am. And I discovered who I was. Yes, I was biologically my parents' child, which was a great relief. (laughs) But I discovered that I was indeed an adopted child of God. I was was God's son, a child of his. That was a defining moment in my life. Now, church, may we know today that we are not defined by what we've done but we're defined by what he has done for us. And yes, we are absolutely defined by one moment, but that moment is not your worst moment in life. Rather, it's the moment when Jesus went to the cross for you and for me. And we're not just forgiven in Christ's death, but we're made alive. We're made alive in the resurrection And we're eternally secure through his ascension. In Christ, we are redeemed. The price for our sin has been paid. We can live free and alive. We're delivered from our sins because of Jesus. We're restored through the saving act of Jesus on the cross. And we're free from paying any ransom for our wrongdoing because Jesus has paid it for us. And yes, if we take a look now at verse 3, it says that we by nature are deserving of wrath. I don't know how that makes you feel, but it's true. We're deserving of it. But verse 6, what does it declare? That God has raised us up with Christ. Now, some of us have been told things in our life that is harmful, damaging. Some of us have been told that we can possibly never, ever be forgiven for what we've done. And we've we've felt and held these things and we've been told these things. And they cripple us. 
they drag us down, they hold us back. Some of us have been told that because of what we've done, we can never be loved. But this afternoon, we're all going to hear the truth that in Christ, we can be forgiven. And not only forgiven, but raised, seated with Christ himself in the heavenly realms. Doesn't that make you excited? That when God sees us, just think about this, when God sees us, he sees us in the same way that he looks at his own son, Jesus. That he not only forgives you, but he looks at you with the same affection he does with Jesus. My girls are just um, at that age where you can kind of leave them to get on with a task for a, a short period of time without being too concerned or thought. Uh, a, a few weeks ago, they were out in the garden. We'd just been to a little uh, church fair around the corner and they had their faces painted. And when they got home, they thought they'd like to do more face painting. The problem is their faces were already painted and um, it was only mine and Rachel's faces left, which was not going to happen. So we got all the dolls out from the bedroom, all 67 of them. <laughs> and in the garden, we had a little face painting party. The girls were loving life. And uh, I, I don't think anyone would pay for the kind of uh, paint job that was done in the garden. But it was by no means full of colour. And uh, all of a sudden... It goes from being quiet to the most horrendous scream, uh, as though a huge massacre had occurred. And uh, little Phoebe, four years old, comes into the house, completely drenched from head to toe. Uh, paint has now gone from some kind of pattern to just dripping. It's all over the place. It's on the floor. And I look at her and think, oh my word, you look like something out of outer space. And she was distraught. There were tears and there were screams and my heart just sank. And uh, she immediately told me what happened. Amara threw a huge bucket of water over her. <laughs> and in that moment, uh, my anger levels shot through the roof. I stormed outside and uh, the scene outside was even worse than it was on Phoebe. It was horrendous. And it was a real test of my fatherhood and patience and all the rest of it. I managed to keep my calm. But all kinds of emotions were going on, as you can imagine, in my brain and towards Amara. Now, we told Amara off and it was, you know, it all calmed down. And uh, we got the girls in and uh, apologies were said. We put them in the shower and as all this paint was uh, washing away from them, it was a beautiful picture because the mistakes were, were starting to be washed away, literally, down the drain. Uh, but what happened uh, between them two is there was reconciliation. Like, joy was soon restored. There was laughter once again. There was kisses. There was bubble bath all over. Another flood. It, it felt all good. And my heart was just like, wow, this is beautiful. And it just made me think, is this how God sees me? That despite all of the mess and the mistakes that I make in life, by what Jesus has done for me on the cross, all my mistakes have been washed away. That relationship has been restored. That joy 
has returned. It was a beautiful picture. And so today, as we go through this passage, I want us to look at three things. Verses one to three, you may want to make a note of this. We're going to be looking at our sin. It's bad. So bad that we're dead in our sin. Secondly, verses four to seven, God has raised us from the dead and made us alive with Christ. Thirdly, verses eight to 10, we can be sure that we are forgiven because it was nothing that we did. It was what he did. Jesus won it for us. It was a gift of grace. So firstly, let's look at the first three verses. We were dead in our sin. Now, some of you may be here today uh, thinking quietly to yourself, Lee, if only you knew what I had done, I could not possibly be forgiven. Friends, some of us disqualify ourselves, don't we, from the kingdom of God and all the riches that he has in store for us because we believe we're stuck in this never-ending pit of despair because of the things that we have done. I wonder if that is you. If it is you, look at these first three verses with me. And I do have some news to share with you. You are right to think that it is quite serious. Dead in our sin. And in fact, it's worse. Paul says... That before Jesus, we were dead in our sins. Okay? Because we'd followed the ways of the world, verse 2. And because we've given in to evil thoughts that we are deserving of wrath, verse 3. Now, it's a little bit gloomy at this stage. Okay? Bit of a disclaimer or major disclaimer. It is going to lighten up. Okay? So bear with me. Stick with it. But as a great American preacher, D.L. Moody, once said, the voice of sin is loud, but the voice of forgiveness is louder. And that's what we need to hear today. So look, before Jesus rescued us, we were all dead in our sins. Now, God demands perfection. And any stain disqualifies us from eternity with him. Without God, we're hopeless, dead. And a dead person can do nothing to raise themselves back to life. There's nothing they can do about the predicament they are in. When you are dead, you are dead, okay? And that is the unfortunate truth, but it is quite simply the deal. When you're dead, you're dead. Now, this is the situation for all those who do not know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. This is the reality of the passage that we're exploring before us today. And we cannot minimise or ignore the severity of the consequences of our sin before our life in Christ. We were simply doomed. We were all walking dead. Take your mind back to the creation story what God said to Adam in the garden. He said, you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now we know what happened in the garden. And so Adam passed from this place of spiritual life to spiritual death. 
when he ate from the tree. And so we today, you and me, we need saving from this eternal state. How? Well, by man, Adam came death, but by man also we come alive in Jesus Christ. So we know there's hope for us. And Paul is saying here, we were dead in our sin, but now we have hope. And we've just seen the most wonderful expression of that with all us baptism, haven't we? A picture of new life in Christ, of dying with Christ, putting to death all of our sin and being raised to new life in him. What a beautiful expression. How is this hope in him possible? Surely it's the world's greatest U-turn that has just been performed. Well, that's why we need to delve into verses four to seven. So let's take a look at those now. In Christ, God has raised us from the dead. Now, sometimes if we've been honest, we've underestimated the consequences of our sin before our life in Christ. But let's be honest, maybe one or two of us, myself included, have occasionally overestimated what we believe to be our contribution in securing salvation. Sometimes thinking to ourselves, well, I've played my part too. No, no, it is nothing that we have done. It is everything that he has done. And to not appreciate this is to not understand grace. What Jesus has truly done for you and for me, even though We do not deserve it. Even though we were dead in our sin, look at what Paul says, verses four to five. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. You may want to circle those couple of verses because they are significant. Even when we were dead, In our sin, God loved us. God looked at us and said, I'm having you. And he sent his son Jesus to die in our place, to bear the wrath we deserved so that we could be made alive. Friends, we should be dead, but he has made us alive. And that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. As our good old friend Tim Keller says, I've never met him by the way, but he said this, the gospel is this, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared to believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. Now if you're sat here today and you're thinking, whoa, this is probably too good to be true, then all we need to do is look at a few characters from the Bible. Paul, a murderer. Abraham, faithless. Mary Magdalene, a prostitute. David, an adulterer. Yet they were all saved by Jesus. 
And the same is true for you and for me today. The gospel of Jesus assures us that if you have repented of your sin and turned to Jesus, then this can be true for us. It doesn't matter what you have done. But it gets better than that. It gets so much better. You, we're not just forgiven. Verses 6 to 7, let's take a look. God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Wow, this is truth. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. We are more than forgiven. We're more than forgiven. It gets better. You are seated with Jesus in the heavenly realm. You have access to the incomparable riches of his grace. Now, this is extraordinary. Just think about it, the reality of this. It's extraordinary. Despite the fact that we were dead in our sin, God not only forgives us, but lavishes us with everything that belongs to his son, Jesus. God is gracious. It is simply who he is. That is his nature. And this is good news, folks. For us, you, for me, and for the world today. And this good news is the news that someone here received a while ago and it changed everything about them. Kirk, who's here today with Julia, let's give Kirk and Julia a welcome. (laughs) Has the most incredible testimony of how God came into his life with power and with might. And I'm going to say no more because his testimony is going to speak for itself. Kirk, church, watch this. Born with a good man, good dad. Dad had a good job. Then a couple of months after that, my dad got killed when a drunk driver mounted the curb and he died, saving his auntie's life. After that, my mum started drinking and moving about a lot. A lot of men in our life didn't really have any stableness in my lives. I was put into council care very young. By the time I got to 12, I was running away for very long periods of time, living rough on the streets, shoplifting, stealing, burgling. Yeah, I was very angry, very violent, very anti-authority at that age. Drugs had taken over my life. Between 16 and 19, I basically lived in a drug-fueled haze, roughly 24. I stopped petty crime and I became a drug dealer. For the next 20-odd years, that's what I'd done. I sold drugs. I had a good life. I had a good partner. I had my children. I had everything I ever wanted. Two years ago, a really good friend came to my house to buy drugs. And he was in a bad place. And I'd just done what I'd done. And that was sell drugs. That night, someone upset him. And he went home and killed himself. From that time on, I started realising what I'd done wasn't normal. It wasn't right and it wasn't nice. 
life just got too much. My thoughts were consumed with horrible thoughts. I got really depressed and I just didn't want to be here. One day I needed time out, so I went to my caravan and I met a lady called Dion who preached God to us, told us about Jesus. But in my world, there was no such thing as God. And if there was a God, then I truly believed this. God wouldn't want anything to do with me. The next day I went home and I took a massive overdose. I really just didn't want to be here. I didn't have any strength left. Not even the strength to just get up in the morning. In the middle of that overdose, my phone rang and woke us up. From that phone call, someone came to, to my house. That person should never have really rang us at that time in the morning or been able to come to my house at that time in the morning. That person then left. I got on my knees and I just prayed for my dad to come and get us and to take us with him. All of a sudden, the room just lit up like a summer's day. And I looked up and Jesus stood in front of us. And Jesus said, if you go now, you go alone. If you come with me, you'll never be alone again. I then just lay on the floor and cried. And I dreamt that God stood in front of us and told us to go to church. And I ended up walking into Newcastle City Centre. And before I knew it, I was outside Hillsong. And the voices in my head telling us to just go home. And then a lovely old lady just walked up to us took me arm and said, come on, I'll come in with you. As I went in, a young lad walked up to us and said, I prayed that God would bring you today. And he gave us a hug. And that hug was just, it was a hug I'd wanted all my life. And I was just so confused how someone who's never met you could show so much love towards someone like me. I sat through that service and cried my eyes out. And that day I accepted that Jesus was real and Jesus was in my life. When I went to connect in Newcastle, I got up, I sang, I worshipped Jesus, and at the end of it, a man came up to us and asked if he could pray for us. Uh, when he prayed for us, I hit the floor and I received the Holy Spirit and felt like something I'd never actually ever felt before. I just felt so peaceful. And when I stood up, everything just stayed on the floor. All my past 30 odd years worth of addiction to, to crack, to cocaine, to, to opiates, to cannabis, to almost every drug you could think of. My mental health, my depression, it just stayed there. Over the next few weeks, I started getting vivid dreams, godly dreams. I started prophesying over people and the prophecies were, were bang on. I was praying. A few weeks later, I went onto my estate and I seen a lifelong friend. And I didn't take time to tell him about the changes in my life. I think I was a bit embarrassed. And he went home and hung himself. From the very next day, I went to my city centre and I preached God and I told everyone about God and about Jesus and about what he'd done in my life. And I prayed for people and I prophesied over people because I now know that God's real and Jesus is real. And if we know he's there and we'll call out, he will save us. As a son of God, I believe that my job is to make sure everybody knows that Jesus is there and Jesus is real and Jesus can not just change my life, but change everybody's life. And that what past can't defy what future, we can't live believing what the devil tells me, what other people tell me. We'll have to see what we're, what we're created to be through God. Just want to encourage everyone 
who sees this, those who don't have God in their life, to just ask God into their life and just invite God into their life and invite that Holy Spirit into their life and just watch the difference God makes in your life and those lives around you. And even those people who are Christians and are close to God, just I encourage you to just speak out to people, other Christians and people who aren't Christians, and just, just I encourage people to seek God and let we just change the world as we see it to what it should be and what it was meant to be. Yeah, let's just praise God for all they said in Kirk's life. Kirk, thanks so much for giving us permission to share your story of what God's done in your life today. I know it's um, emotive, uh, it's full of power, and I, I believe uh, that today people here are going to find freedom uh, through knowing what God has done in your life. Uh, so thank you for sharing that. I know Kirk's going to um, be praying with people as well uh, towards the end of the service, so if you'd like him to pray with you, then uh, he's very willing uh, to pray with you. Uh, just... Um, also, thanks to the Barnsley boys, Josh and Dan, who put together that, um, that video testimony. You can catch it on Dan's YouTube. And do share it widely, because it's, um, it's powerful stuff, isn't it? But Kirk, you said in that video, in my world, there was no such thing as a God. And if there was a God, then I truly believe that God wouldn't want anything to do with me. The evil, evil one wants us to believe that we cannot be forgiven. God so deeply loves us, adores us, cherishes us, wants to be in relationship that is restored and redeemed with us. So how can we know that this forgiveness, that Kirk has received the forgiveness that he now knows deep in his heart how do we know it will never be taken away from us well this is where we need to turn to verses 8 to 10 and the reality is it cannot be taken away from us because Jesus won it and not us Paul says for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Look at verse 8. It's a gift from God. It's a gift that cannot be taken away from me, from Kirk, from you, from anyone, if you trust in Jesus. Forgiveness is a gift for you. Verse 9, and because it's a gift from God, we cannot boast that we have saved ourselves. It's his love. Jesus saved us. Verse 10, we can be sure that this is true because we are God's handiwork. Do you know what that means? You're God's handiwork. You are God's masterpiece. 
the pinnacle of what he has created. We only need to look through scripture to know what God thinks of us. He knows how many hairs are upon your head. He knows every day of your life, even before you've lived it. He knows you intimately and intricately, better than you know yourself. You are his masterpiece. He prepared this, all of this wonderfulness in us, in advance, before the creation of the world. Isn't that amazing? And so this is the lie that many of us have been believing for far too long and today is the day we get rid of it from our lives. It's the lie that we cannot be forgiven. And so I'm going to ask us to respond quite physically. Uh, if, you're, if you're able uh, to stand in this moment um, when we come to it, then do do that. If you're unable, uh, just respond in some other physical way, whether it's uh, placing your hands out in front of you, just something that involves a, a physical response, saying, yes, Lord, I'm in. I believe this, this is truth. And so if you believe any of these statements are true for you, then I invite you to respond. The truth is this. If you believe that, yes, you were dead in your sin, then respond by standing or doing whatever you need to do now. You were dead in your sin. If you believe that Jesus has forgiven you and made you alive with him and lavished you with every good gift, if you still sat down, then stand. And thirdly, if you believe that this can never, ever be taken away from you, that no power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck you from his hand, if you believe that, then respond now. The lie is you cannot be forgiven. The truth is, you are forgiven.